0: Hey Mamas, welcome to another episode of I See You Mama. This is the podcast where we talk with other moms and uh, we get down to the good stuff. We talk about ourselves, we talk about what we're passionate about, we talk about the kids, we talk about parenting, we talk about <laughs> all the things. Um, so if you've uh, been in the news or been watching the news for the last couple of weeks, it. It kind of feels like the world exploded. If you're listening to this sometime in the future and you're like, what was going on then? Uh, There was the beginning of uh, 2020. And um, not only have we all been staying home with the pandemic, but uh, there were three sort of prominent um, shootings that happened or killings that happened um, at the hands of people in power. Uh, Two of those were police and one of those was civilians that had connections with the police. So, it was George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Brianna Taylor. And those three things in quick succession, those three deaths in quick succession sort of made I don't know, it was it's hard to explain how it all just sort of rolled into this huge thing which was protests, it started with protests. Um and there have been continual protests, continual protests since that happened. And um, it went all over the world. Lots of people are protesting all over the world, um, specifically under the head, the heading Black Lives Matter. Um, now, I am, at this point in my life, a middle-aged white lady, raised, for the most part, in Texas. And um, this is not something that I have a lot of expertise in speaking to directly from a lived experience. I There's observations I've made as a person living in the South, um, but there's a lot that I can't speak to. Um, so part of what I want to do is advocate and um, speak up for people who maybe don't have the same platform as I do. And doing that, we're going to... I just—I no, always say we, like I'm the queen <laughs> or a collective. I'm neither of those things. Um, I hope to bring on guests that can really speak from their lived experience about what it's like to be a person of color and specifically a mother who's raising children of color. Um. So my first guest was a lovely friend who volunteered to come on the show. Her name is Kim, and um, you'll hear from her in a minute. But. Um, if you're listening to this and you're like, "Hey, I really, I want to talk about my experience," I would love to hear from you. Um, you can email me directly at ICU Podcast. That's I S E E Y O U M A M A P O D C A S T at gmail And I want to hear from you, and I would love to record you and your story because I think. You know, if there are a lot of people in this country who, like me, sort of labor under the illusion or delusion that we live in a post-racial society. That um, after the civil rights movement in the 60s, that everything was just kind of fixed. And what I think a lot of people knew, but I'm sort of awakening to, is that there was so much more than that. And um, it just sort of shifted and changed clothes, and a lot of people are still really feeling like um, their lives are at risk because of the color of their skin, and I want you to hear those people's stories, and I want you to hear those mothers' stories, and um, this is specifically from people that I know in Nashville um, but if you're anywhere in the world, we can talk via Zoom and we can talk about it. So get in touch. Let me know if you'd like to be a guest and I would love to have you. So we're going to get right to my interview with Kim. And um, I just want to preface this with you, if you've been li- listening for a long time, you know that I'm a talker and it's really hard for me to shut up and let other people uh, speak. I have thoughts and, you know, opinions about a million things, and it's really hard for me to not interject, and I actually made an effort (laughs) in this one, but I then had to go back and like edit out every time I just started going on about something. Um, That's how I, you know, it's part of my growing up process, (laughs) although I'm grown up, um, is that I want to learn to be a better listener, which is ironic since I have a podcast, (laughs) which inherently is me talking. So, uh, I'm going to let you listen to Kim. And, uh, I want to say in the beginning, I'm sure I'm going to say things that are maybe not the best or the wisest or the most sensitive. And I hope that you can extend me a little bit of grace. I am learning and growing in this. And, um, I know a lot of people who are right now, and uh, I'm not going to get it right, but I'm, I would like to try to at least attempt <laughs> to get it right, to at least attempt to do the right thing by people of color in our community and in our country. So, um, without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Hey everybody, this is my guest, Kim Fields. And um, we met on a yoga retreat mm-hmm. in the Caribbean, which sounds so bougie.
1: <laughs> hey, we were for a minute.
0: <laughs> I know, but we were. I was, I was really fancy for a hot minute.
1: Mm-hmm. That one of
0: our other my other guests, Jan McCarter, hosted and took us down there, and that's where we met. Um, but this podcast. I've got some recorded already that I am excited about, but in light of everything that's going on in the nation today, and we saw yesterday in Nashville protests in the street, um, I wanted to hear the voice of a mother who's a person of of color. Like, we have a lot of guests on here, and we talk about all kinds of different topics, but this specifically, like, I know that you are the mother of sons. And I want to hear really your story and your voice and how you feel like I'm not expecting you to speak for all of your people of the same culture of the same skin color. I'm not expecting Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like that. It's here like you're speaking for everybody or you're educating us or anything like that because I know that a lot of that has been put on people of color to like say, well, let me tell you why this is Mm -hmm. But I just want to hear your heart and like how you feel and when you watch the news and when you um, look at your own kids, like what goes through your head? So let's start at the beginning and you can tell us about yourself.
1: Okay. So
0: I'm wait, wait, wait. Ha- oh. by the way, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. <laughs> I always forget to say
1: welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm glad to be here. Um, I'm a retired teacher. I taught for about 15 years. Um, I taught for 12 years in Metro Nashville. Well, maybe 13 and two years in Sumner County. Um, I'm married and I have two adult sons that are in their 20s. I've been in Nashville for 26 years, and um, I'm originally from Delaware, the Eastern Shore of Maryland.
0: How the heck did you get down here,
1: my honey boo boo? (laughs) (laughs) My hubs' family is here. They're they're original Nashvillians, yeah. And um, so they are very entrenched, you know, in the community. I guess some of them have never left Nashville. They've been here their whole lives.
0: Wait, never visited anywhere else or no? Well, they
1: visited (laughs) like maybe three or four places. (laughs) Right. There's only a couple like that his cousins, his parents are (laughs) world travelers, and his brothers. Um, And my husband has three brothers. Um, One of them, well, just moved to Texas, but he was in New Jersey for years and years. And I have like three or four nephews and lots of male cousins yeah and um so yeah there's a lot of people that that i care about and are concerned for all the time and females too i mean yeah women go through a lot um in this society but um it's about me i like to read i like I've always liked current events. I mean, I was a history major and a psych minor and uh, a
0: Don't black analyze. studies
1: second minor. <laughs>
0: so, a psych minor. That's
1: fascinating stuff yeah. right there. Yeah.
0: Do you, you analyze your children?
1: I was a major, but I couldn't deal with the rats in the
0: lab. <laughs> oh, uh, so you changed from psych major? history major uh-huh.
1: I uh, met some really amazing women history professors yeah and yeah I got did a lot of neat stuff when I was in college with them so just went Very for that cool. minor
0: so you have two sons mm-hmm. they're in their, tw- in 20s, their 20s early 20s mm-hmm. and um I just want to like when you watch the news like what goes through your head
1: Well, when I watch the news, in today's times, first of all, I get frustrated, because it's the same cycle again, and again, and again, and again, and again, Right. and I'm somewhat suspicious now of what the media is showing us, because it seems like everything is sensationalism, Mm-hmm. It's kind of like we want to show this story because we think this is the one that's going to really grab everybody, and this is the one that's going to make Trump tweet, or this is the one that you know is showing the Black people's outrage the most, and you know. So sometimes I'm a little bit skeptical, um, but if it's if it's people that I think have a valid point and they can articulate it then I want to hear that, yeah. You know? so, yeah. So you were telling me
0: yesterday when we were talking on the phone how you originally raised your boys in such a way. And tell me that whole story, like,
1: that okay. you were telling me. So, you know, when I had children, I felt like I wanted them to be equals you know and right. i wanted them to be i guess free thinkers and of course confident and and safe and all that and i i um i was really raised not to be racist or whatever i had friends from from every walk of life right and so i wanted the same thing for my boys and so you know there was no discrimination or anything about, like, you know, I mean, if a, any child was pretty much allowed in our home, as long as they were, you know, I could <laughs> discipline them if needed, or, you know, they would follow <laughs> the structure, whatever, I don't know, have wild listened. kids in my house, right. but, um, you know, and I, I always I met the parents, and, you know, and, and, and if a parent wanted to bring a child to my home, I'm, like, come in and see, you know, I, I was not one to, for people to just kind of drive up to my yard and drop their kid off, Right. No, you, know, you, know, you got to come in inside and see because I want you to see what what my home is like inside mm-hmm. because if I'm going to bring my child to your house then I'm going to come inside and see or we're going to meet for coffee and tea, you know, as they got to middle school and high school and we're just going to chat so I can know who you are. That's exactly. just, you know. But but that was just, you know, to me I felt like safety it wasn't that I necessarily didn't trust people but it's building a community. Right. And um so You know, like when my kids were little, you know, we had all the birthday parties and did all the friends and, you know, did all that kind of stuff. But like I said, things were different here in the South and people started kind of whispering to me, you need to be careful and you can't trust everybody like that. And, you know, and then as the boys started to get older, I started to see that they were being perceived differently by people, I mean, I, you know, we taught them, go in the grocery store, you know, you see the little old lady, go ask her if you can help with the groceries, and, you know, or, somebody needs something off of a shelf, you know, you bend down and get it for them when you're little, or whatever, or you see people different than you, you don't um, disrespect them, or be, you know, rude, or whatever, like, you don't gawk at people, you know, you can ask me privately, maybe, you know, what's, you know, if you're curious about a person or something, um, you're always respectful. And, um, but then, you know, when they were smaller, it was kind of cute and people seemed to be very receptive and understood what I was trying to teach them and would participate in the training, if you will. Right. Then as they got older, you know, I saw people kind of looking at them suspiciously and, um, just like, avoiding them and then when my younger son was like about 14 i think it may have been around the trayvon martin thing um he came home one day and we were talking about you know the situation and what was going on and and, because i'm always checking in with my kids even as they're adults you know how are you feeling what's going on what are you thinking and um i guess i was trying to encourage him or convince him that people knew how good he was and, you know, he was trustworthy and, you know, kind and all this kind of stuff. And he just turns and he looks at me and he goes, mom, he goes, you don't know what it's like when people look at you with fear in their eyes for no reason.
0: Hmm.
1: And I, I had to concede. Yeah. I was like, you're right. I don't think I know what that feels like. And I'm torn because I'm looking at this his physical appearance which is at that time is probably like 5 10 180 or 90 pounds you know and he's his face is still a little bit rounded and yeah. you know he doesn't have you know any peach fuzz even yet and and I'm seeing my baby yeah. you know I'm seeing my cuddle bug and And I know what a good kind heart he is and how protective he is Mm -hmm. of people that he sees in trouble, like what a defender he is of people. And I'm just like, it struck me that the world could be very dangerous for him. Yeah. And it just, and you know, and then of course I, I think about his older brother and he's just like, so outgoing and he's even more, like, he's just more energetic and more, um, what's the word? Like, he just goes at things full. Like, he just jumps in. Yeah, he's you all know? in. Like, yeah, when he sees a the situation, there's no, let me think about it. Let me calmly. <laughs> 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 just, you know, he's the, the kid with the cape on, you know, thinks he's super real. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that the world is just like, and, and my older one had already started saying things about situations that he had heard about and had encountered, um, you know, where basically white kids were treated differently than, than the black kids, like in high school and in the community and stuff. And, of course, he's so outraged. And, you know, you have to start saying, yeah, they can get away with those things. They can do those things, but you're black. And, you know, at that point, it was just like heart wrenching to have to tell my children all your lives. I've been raising you to be an equal. And now I have to tell you that you're not. Yeah. And. Or that the world thinks you're not. It's a, what do you, I don't even know what you call it, but it's that it's, it's, it's something happens in your brain yeah. when you have to deliver that. And I'm sure when you have to receive that, because all of a sudden it's like, I've built you up for all these things and yes, you're good, but you have to be better. You know, you have to see these things that are happening and you can't go around fighting every day. And I can't go around fighting 24 seven. I mean, you know, My son came home one day, he's like, "Uh, so-and-so said he got stopped for drunk driving and blah, blah, blah. And he didn't even get a ticket. And, you know, like they just come back to school and they tell these stories about all these illegal things they do. And it's just like a joke and they're laughing about it and all this. And I'm like, well, you know, you can't do that. I said, and the scenario probably is they got stopped and either the police officer knew the family or something when he saw the, the name on the license and the address, or they got a ticket, but their family already has a lawyer retained. And so the lawyer goes to night court or calls a judge or does something, you know, yeah, whatever. Or they just, his family just goes ahead and pays the fine. I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a walk in the park for that. They already have a structure and a plan to deal with those things. We don't. Right. We don't deal with the the legal system. We don't, you know, have a lawyer that we can just pick up the phone and say, hey, can you go handle this too? And I mean, I know some black families probably, probably do even that, but even so, more than likely, if you're black, then you get stopped and they think you've been drinking, you know, they're not going to let your parents come and pick you up and take you home. Right. They're going to take you downtown and book you. Right. You know, so
0: your parents will maybe find out about it
1: tomorrow Yeah, when
0: you get your phone call.
1: Yeah. Or three o'clock in the morning or yeah, whatever. But um, yeah, it was just really different. And I, because of my situation, I'd gone the, and then they were at a predominantly white high school. I'd gone to predominantly white schools until I got to high school. Then I was kind of switched, but there was, even in my in the farming community where i was there was this certain group of kids that were white and their families were well to do and they you know had these wild and crazy parties and everything and then there was a black community and they had their their parties and did their things you know the athletes and and all that but it was like it wasn't in your face yeah like it was, you know, like black kids didn't come to school the next day talking about, oh, yeah, we were out doing this and blah, because if you know the wrong person hears it. <laughs> right. It could lead to trouble. But yeah. The white kids, it was just like, hey, that's what we do. Yeah. Man.
0: What did you think? What did your son say when you turned, when you had to have, I know there, people call it the talk. So the talk, not the sex talk, but the, the talk when you say, you're seen differently what is what was his response to that was he like i already know mom or
1: um there was a little bit of that but there was almost like i felt like this quiet shattering in their Mm. souls because it's just kind of like you're really telling me this now like you yeah My mom, because you think I'm wonderful and I'm invincible and you've built me up to be like this super kid. So now you're telling me that you can't make the world see me like the way you have told me who I am all this time. Now you're telling me the world is different. It's, you know, it's like you take their childhood away. You know? Yeah. It's like, you know, because you can't change the people that they're going to encounter and you have to prepare them to deal with those people and you have to take them make them accept that you know there's a way there's a way to collectively which they did and I was so proud of them within their school you know the black students would get together and and push for certain things and the parents would help but there's a lot of things our kids don't tell us yeah yeah there's there a lot are. of things that happened to them. That, and there was things I didn't tell my parents because I just felt like they've been through enough or yeah, I just handle it myself or What's the point? Not, mm-hmm. You know, I got my good friends over here and I'm, I'm cool with this or, you know, so-and-so used to be my friend and they're not my friend anymore. And, you know. Yeah.
0: That's such a <clears throat> as a mom, like to send your you know your baby out in the world and say I, to say like what you just said, like I see you as this amazing kid and you are, and that no one else can see that. I feel like we as parents spend I mean, I'm up at that school all the time, mm-hmm. advocating for my kid, trying to get them to see what I see.
1: Well, and all the time, don't get me, wrong, I don't think that well. I don't think that other people didn't see it. Some people did. Yeah. You know, and cared and supported that. But then there's also that element of fakeness. What do you mean? You know, with people saying your kid is great and wonderful and all that. It's like, as long as they're passive and a gentleman and, you know, all that, but then you see these other kids doing things and being aggressive and and that scene as being okay, but you know full well if your kid did the same thing, yeah, it would be addressed differently. For instance, one of my kids used an N word in the classroom one day and he was talking to a friend of his. But he was talking to his his, his buddy. Right. And the teacher overheard it. So she pulls him out of class. Their thing was to bring him to the office and call me. Like, you know, he said this word. And I ask him what happened and he tells me. And I'm like, well, you know, you shouldn't use that language in school. Yeah. But I'm like, do you, like, pull every kid in every time you hear them talking to their friends? And they use slang, basically what it was, and call their parents. Like, I don't think so. Right. I don't think so. And then there was the whole thing, you know, with the school dress code. And one of them had, (laughs) no, this wasn't allowed from our household, but he slipped out of the house one morning with, you know, a hole in his jeans. Jeans with a hole in them, I guess you'd say. Yeah. And um, they pulled him in the office and they called him. Now, I've been in that school building called me rather and I've seen other kids and I've talked to other parents and some of them would even say oh yeah you know so and so I was surprised that you know they're letting so many kids do this now and you know it's just casual conversation or whatever yeah but it's always that thing that we can't break the rules right you know certain rules are just written to be enforced on black people ugh. you know that's and they would test it and so basically my kids were testing Yeah. You know, let's see what happens when I do this. Right. You know, as mom writes. Yeah. And they do it and they get called for it. Yeah. Dang. I can't, I
0: can't imagine having to walk through the world, like always on guard, you know, it's,
1: it's It's somebody else is constantly choosing the box you need to be in yeah what lines you can and cannot cross yeah like yeah today maybe you can tomorrow another person might say no right you know it's
0: it's i have a friend who is very like a huge advocate for this she's um she's white latina is what she calls herself so she's half white half latina and then her son is African American, and her daughter is Afro Latina, and her husband is white. So she's she's so like they adopted huge, kids. They adopted two kids, um, but like she has this huge, big, booming voice about advocacy for him, um, and like the the words like policing black bodies. I'd never heard those words. You know, mm-hmm. growing up as a kid. Um, I saw it, but I didn't have language for it. Oh, yeah. Like I saw things being different for other people, but I didn't have the words, you know, or I didn't recognize like that this was not just a one-off, it was an, a systemic thing mm-hmm. that I couldn't, It it took me a long time to stop being blind, I think, mm-hmm. to what was happening around me, even though I was in a
1: very diverse high school and um: Well, that's the thing, Ariana. We live in your culture, yeah, and we learn all about your culture. Yeah. We're inundated with it in television and commercials and billboards and books. I'll tell you one thing that really upset me with my kids too, sent them to, you know, a very good uh, magnet school, and in middle school and fifth grade. The first book that they read, Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry, mm. right? That mm-hmm. actually was my older son. My younger son went to the predominantly black magnet school and they read it and there was no conversation about it. What? Yeah. They didn't talk about it. My son's like, they had like one discussion about it and the teacher, white teacher, led the discussion. The white kids made whatever comments, and the black kids were afraid to say anything. Oh my gosh. And I did go to school about that, and I'm like, okay, so what is the point of reading this, and what are you teaching these white kids? Yeah. You're teaching them that this is okay, that it's entertainment, that, you know, what happened was just. You know, there was no attempt to teach them that this is wrong and we're trying to create a, a, create a better society, a better world for everybody. Right. You know, this is not what we do today. There was no, no attempt at that at all. I,
0: <laughs> that baffles me. and I and, But it also makes me realize, like, I don't know what's going on at my kid's school in terms of that like when they read stuff that's like that discusses the problem of racism at school or that discusses the problem of like systemic racism in the in our country do they have discussions Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it i don't know i don't know the answer i don't i haven't heard about it so i'm maybe they don't Mm -hmm. because i we my daughter my after all this happened And, you know, I'd really kind of had the luxury and privilege of going through the world and not having to really educate my kids about the horrors that sometimes happen to people of color. Like we've talked about racism and we've talked about, you know, loving people and caring for people and not seeing, um, Not judging them just on their skin, but who they are as a person and making friends with, you know, like we've had all those sort of surrounding conversations. But after um, George Floyd, we really sat down and we had like a big talk about it. Um, And my daughter was like, oh, yeah, we read Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry in like the fourth grade. I never heard about it. Wow. I never heard about that book, but she brought it up when I talked about George Floyd she was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." I read a book about. It. I'm like, "I so don't know." So, please even ask read her that book.
1: what discussions did they have. What what yeah, assignments I'm, did they do?
0: I'm curious now. Yeah. Like, I I I don't know what they did. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna have to talk to her about it. But we had this huge discussion, and like you said, there, like with your son. There's a there's a protective. Like motherness that says, "I don't want to tell the wor- you how bad the world is yet."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I'm want you to you won't encounter it the way that other people have. It's yeah. gonna be different for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, you know, I haven't. Oh, here's a kid. Hey, kid. <laughs> you know, I I've said that before, and the response from my friends who are people of color. Um, have said that's a luxury you have that you get to do that yeah it's a and I've said it before like I did not realize what a privilege that was to walk through the world and not have to tell my children not have to prepare them for like the crazy that is out there
1: you know yeah I mean it's just like you know, you think about things like if their car breaks down. Right. You know, now I'm always been very independent. And um, even when I got married, my husband was just, you know, kind of like, don't go here. Don't do this. It's 10 o'clock. And I'm like, I'm going to Target if I want to. I could Target 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock. I, you know, whatever I want to do. <laughs> and, um, you know, and just that protectiveness, you know, even male to female, husband and wife, you know, I was just kind of like, I didn't see a lot of, I guess, things that maybe weren't done. I lived in such a small community and I didn't pay too much attention to what was going on with the guys. Right. Like, you know, you're into being that girl and I was an only child. And so, you know, even the guys I dated, like, I didn't know, like, if they went through anything major, but I do know, um, so one night a guy was dating, we were going somewhere and my mom was like, be back home at this time exactly. And this is the route you take. And I was like, what? And she's like, We hear there's going to be a clan meeting tonight, so you guys don't need to be going, you know, this certain way or whatever. And we're just like, Oh, you know, but he was a good guy and I was a good girl. So we listened to our parents, but I'm just like, You know, what about those kids who decide, you know, you know, it's like this on guardness, like you got to be aware. Yeah.
0: And those weren't ever conversations like, you know, I also grew up in a small kind of rural town. Um, and I was, you know, the nerdy kid who never got invited to the pasture parties. Um, yeah, but my parents never had to say, hey, be careful tonight because there are people who might hurt you because of the way you look.
1: Yeah. You know? Like make a game of it or an initiation or yes, whatever. Yeah. That never.
0: Yeah. And that, you know, is I have people who really still that I know who they, they don't understand the concept of white privilege. They're like, well, I was poor. I'm like me too guy. <laughs> but <laughs> the difference is we were white <laughs> mm-hmm. and we had the opportunity and people who were willing to help us kind of pull up out of
1: that poverty and do something different. Um, you know, and, and just the idea there's no escaping it. Like my husband still gets pulled over. Dad, come. He can be out of town driving a rental car for work. My husband's 60 years old. Yeah. He's getting to be an old black man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like they will pull him over. What are you doing here? You know, where are you going? Who do you work for? You know, and it's just bull, you know he comes home from work at the end of the day and it's just like got pulled over today in jackson got pulled over today, and you know it's like jackson tennessee uh-huh. and just other places too i yeah. mean but it's just like you know like several years ago what year was it two thousand and seven or something now it's before that uh several you
0: know that was more than 10 years ago
1: (laughs) when we had that um that big snow that came the
0: first one that came there was one in 2000 there was a big one in 2002
1: and, and then in the, the one where judah we got like born. seven inches of snow i guess it there was, was one 2000. in
0: 2010 because Ju- no 11 judah was no, born. no no
1: no this would have been like 2000 it was
0: like 2002 2001 three, yeah, or two yeah
1: two three something like that yeah yeah that time frame and um it took me all day to get to my kids because i was at a school across town and they were in the neighborhood school and everybody mm. at called was like out getting their kids and blah, 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 blah. It took me all day. So my husband calls me and he's coming from somewhere else in the city. I mean, outside the city. And you know, he's driving and he's in a state car at that time. And I'm like, stop, get a hotel and just stay somewhere. Like this is not worth you trying to be out on the road. What if you get stuck somewhere? He tells me he's going to stop and get a hotel. So I'm in the kitchen and I hear this somebody behind me and it's him. (laughs) And he's home, and I'm like, What are you doing here? He's like, Oh, I just wanted to come home, and blah blah blah. And, you know, it took me a few years later to realize that he didn't feel safe stopping someplace he wasn't familiar with,
0: yeah,
1: and trying to get a hotel,
0: yeah, in a
1: snowstorm because who knows what might have happened now. Grant, maybe there wasn't any reason for that, and I mean, and the kids were little, and you know, he's the big dad i gotta come home and get the milk and the bread and make sure my family's all this and that too but still there's a part of me that kind of thinks that you know maybe he just didn't feel safe too yeah it's like i gotta get home and you know it, it it's not that all think bad things always happen like some a lot of times most of the time i guess things are fine yeah you know and you just travel through but it just depends on when that anxiety hits you or when that you know he he definitely knows better than i do the areas that he's traveling through yeah so he knows where it's safe to go and where it's not safe to go yeah so you know and then there's that part of him he's like i don't want to get stuck in some motel room with you know no restaurant and eating cheetos and you know coke or whatever for three or four because yeah you know he's like once you get stuck you might be stuck for you know yeah. some of these areas he was in he's like i could have been stuck for a week
0: yeah
1: and i'm like oh well, yeah that, he's like you know and i don't think i've just been hanging out with the boys all week you know? no and he's an introvert too so that's the <laughs> he's like i try to make good friends yeah but uh
0: there's just so much i feel like you know, there's so much commonality in motherhood. Like we're all kind of raising these humans and trying to get them to not be jerks. But I think there are things that like I can never, in some instances, walk in your shoes. Like I'm raising, like we had this conversation on Facebook, like I'm raising two white boys who will grow up and I, and I want them to know that it's their job to make sure the power balance is not tilted in their favor to make sure because they already have additional privilege, use that privilege to help other people and to amplify their voice when they are unheard, you know, like, and my boys are sweet. And I want to think that they would never do crappy things to anybody else because of the color of their skin. But In reality, we live in a world where people make dumb choices.
1: Yeah, and there's always peer pressure, and Mm -hmm. you know, just sometimes there's naiveness too. And yeah, um, you know, that's why it's so important to keep the lines of communication open, yeah, and to just address things as they come, but it's also important that you know my my kids know that like i said any of their friends are welcome here and they've Mm -hmm. seen me with friends from you know everything indian white black african just you know and they know the people um that i trust and the ones that have really good impact in my life and they know the ones that i don't trust so much yeah and you know i told them i said you have to you know spend time with people and you have to listen to them and like my angelou said if they show you something ugly you got to believe that's who they are yeah and because there's one there's a there's a there's a level of hurting my feelings when you didn't mean to because you were ignorant or we were arguing or whatever and you might have said something a little kind of off a little bit but there's another thing when it's malicious and it's like just part of who the person is all the time yeah like when people are doing and saying things every chance they get they're letting a little something slip or they're trying to get a little dig in to test you and test the boundaries that's different you don't want those people in your lives and that's abuse yeah you know so um yeah but the 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 dynamics in their relationships with people have changed a lot over time um yeah um like and like i said i just it's it's more different for the guys yeah and you know, but- I think it's
0: so your boys, your sons who are now men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're men. They're young men. Um, do you feel like you keep them closer? Like when I was 18, my parents were like, bye. I mean, I left for college, but really they kind of marked that as a place of like, you're on your own now. Um, and I was like, I never really lived with them again after I left for college. Um but do you feel like you hold your boys a little bit closer or how do you feel like about that?
1: I don't know if I'm a very good judge of that. Um, My boys left home, went to college and then opted to come back home. Yeah. My husband commuted the whole time he was in school. I left home at 18 and never went back. Right. So in my mind, they were going (laughs) to
0: leave. Like, why are you back here?
1: Um, and so, yeah, when they came back, you know, um, there's, there's, there's this belief that I have because I don't know if it's just being an educator or just the experiences that I've had with people I've known, everybody doesn't go get a four year degree and get a job and go on with their life and whatever. People take different paths and different, you know different interests and all that kind of stuff. So I I was never kind of like, you got to go to college and do your four years and get out and do whatever. Yeah, It was kind of like my husband and I both kind of find your way, you know, and we're here to support you as best we can. And you just, you got to be a good citizen and you got to be a a good spiritual person and you got to, you know, be respectful of us and our home and you know what we've achieved or whatever. Yeah. So I think I've pushed them towards, you know, independence and going all that. But I, I like having them here now because I, you know, like what's, everything's going on in the world. And honestly, in our community, there's a lot of kids their age that are home now. Yeah. And in fact, my therapist has told me like 30% or more of kids are going back home now. And so it, cause you know, at first I'm like, you know, what's wrong with you guys? Y'all Failure to launch. Get out of yeah, here. Yeah. you like, But I, and as I look around in the neighborhood, like a lot of, I mean, a lot of their friends are back home or still home, whatever, Yeah, you know? So you made an interesting comment
0: before where you said, and I'm not going to phrase it right. I'm because I don't have a good memory like that, but you said that you're, you have been educated about my culture. Mm. And I think I know exactly what you mean. White people culture, why people culture is the yeah. predominant culture. And I think I, I, there are people who are, who would say uh, we're all in the same culture, but we're not, we're not. No. Like, there's a different, Um, just, just as this small little snippet, um, my things that I didn't know about women of color who had longer hair, having to sleep in a bonnet, Mm -hmm. I've never had to sleep in a bonnet. Like, that's not a thing that I, I was like, that's a thing people do. That would be so weird. But it was a, a woman who had written a book about.
1: Yeah, with sleeping her in girl. a bonnet
0: for her little girl because her daughter was like why do I have to do this I'm like I never and that's a cultural difference that I never yeah, and I think of
1: tying our hair up a lot of us will tie our hair up yeah you know um but let me just say this the danger in that is that whenever something comes out that one black person is part of their lifestyle if you will right it gets like this broad brush of like all black people do that and it's not true like all black people don't put bonnets on their little girls it and sleep with a bonnet
0: right
1: a a lot of people just plait their hair up or put it in a bony tail and go to bed right um it just kind of depends on the effect you want I guess (laughs) what do you want your hair to look like tomorrow (laughs) yeah or if you find another way like Like, I grew up with tying up, like, a scarf. You wrap it around and you tie it tight and, you know, keep your hair flat or around your curlers or whatever. You know, it was a scarf. Um, Or, you know, just braids and not at all. Like, I didn't, I was not a little girl putting a bonnet on. Yeah. I didn't tie my hair up until it got processed, until I got a perm. Right. When I was, like, 12 or something. 12? So... That's so young to have yeah, that has, much chemical that on out. your hair. Had to straighten them naps out. <laughs> I love your beautiful hair. <laughs> so, so yeah, you, I'm really into natural hair. And I, you know, but we, we all went through different things. That was part of the thing, too, going through that whole relaxer thing. And if your hair couldn't hold up to it, your hair breaking off and mm. having to, you know, grow it out or repair it or you know, whatever, like yeah, it's all like a cultural thing. But, you know, even within white culture, I think I know a lot about it because I'm a curious person and I research and I spend a, a lot of time with white people, actually. Um, but there's always things to learn. And now with like the Internet and and just, just like, it's like open the world up so much bigger. Um, like there's just more of everybody but I, I get offended when they're like all people like all black people like rap or do you know who this person is or that person and then I get frustrated like being a history major and like all the black history that I still don't know yeah. you know like but then I'm like okay I guess there's white history I don't know too but really if you if if you were to you know pile it up like the 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 percentage of like my own ancestry, cultural whatever that I know versus like white culture and stuff is like so disproportionate. Right. You know. And I you know, I try to teach my boys about their culture. I try as a teacher in the public school system to teach kids about my culture and their culture and European culture all the time. Yeah. You know. I guess you know i I'm, I'm one of these people that's so frustrated with the whole black history and the whole black this black that i just want to be a human race yeah and if we discuss pigmentation that it's just as casual as discussing this new pair of nikes that i got or you know i just got a new picture for my life or whatever you know i i, I somebody said Well, let me tell you this. One of my kids, when he was little, he had a friend named Christopher and um, lived up the street. And then my son, he started a new preschool and he got a new friend named Christopher. And so one day he comes up to me, he goes, mommy, he's like, "Um, something, Christopher and I did something today. And I was like, oh, that's nice. And he goes, not my pink Christopher, the brown one. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) And you know it was it it was fine, you know. Yeah. And uh I just I I just don't understand why it's so hard. Why it's so hard to accept our differences, but really to focus on our similarities cuz there's so many more of those. Yeah. You know, like when people get dogs, You know, you get a new dog, your neighbor sees you out walking your two dogs. Oh, now you got a collie and you got a Labrador. Well, that's really nice. But essentially they go home and, hey, they got another dog. Like they don't go on and on and on about, you know. What kind. And how they're going to treat it and what makes it different and how it's not going to measure up to the other dog and, you know. Yeah.
0: At the same, like, it's, it's this hard line because, like, we, I grew up in the era of colorblind. Be colorblind, don't see color. But then so many people had things about them discounted because it wasn't, it didn't fall into the predominant narrative of, like, this is, this is how the world should be. But the world was really being painted by white people. And so when they came in with their differences, cultural, food, hair, style, language, that was looked on as bad because, well, if we're all colorblind, then we're all the same. And then this recent, in my mind, like my understanding has shifted is like, I see you and I see what is beautiful about you. And it's not just the color of your skin, but like the way you live your life and the choices that you make. And, um, yeah, it's hard. It was a hard shift. I was like, no, no, no. When we were kids, we were taught be colorblind, you know, don't see that. But then so many people
1: didn't feel really seen. You know what? And that, that whole colorblind thing just cracks me up because it's, that's almost like saying, don't see. Right. Uh... You know? don't, don't see they're not there yeah they're not real you know it's just another way of repackaging an old idea yeah you know it's like i i one of my kids i remember he was like so and so keeps patting me on the head and i told him don't touch my head anymore you know so you know, I go up there to the school and I'm like, you know, what's going on? Why does this kid keep touching my hair? Oh, he likes the way his hair feels. Well, guess what? Get him a fricking doll. Yeah. My kid is not his, you know, his, his, his comfort toy. Yeah. You know? And uh, you know, I'm like, the next time we do it, just, you know, pushes him away. I'm like, I'm like but did you touch his hair? Well, I did one time. You know, I wanted to see what it feel like, felt like, you know? And so I'm like, okay, well, I guess he wanted to see what your hair feels like, but you're past that now. Yeah. Before that. So, you know, don't let him do that. Yeah. Um, And then I finally, you know, I see the mother one day and I'm like, you know, there's this thing going on and blah, blah, blah. Oh, he hasn't even mentioned it. See? And doesn't bother him. Even at that young of an age, it's like, you're here for me to just create whatever I want you to be for me.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, you're a thing oh. and you're my buddy and we're fun, but still I, I, I want to do this and therefore you should let me. Yeah. And somewhere in his home, you know, he, he had gotten the message from his parents that there are other people out there and they're there just to serve and provide comfort for us.
0: Yeah. I totally agree with you.
1: It's the same thing with males and females. Yes. I've experienced that as a female. Men feel like they, you know, women are just there to provide comfort, serve. Yes. Whatever.
0: Yeah. Listen to your troubles. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's also this thing where, um, oh, I got derailed. What was I going to (laughs) say? I forgot. Oh, it's, um, Consent, like as a kid. So just a brief example, and I'm not mad at my parents about this, (laughs) but when I was a kid, my dad would tickle us and he would tickle me until I peed my pants and I hated it. But I was laughing the whole time, Mm -hmm. even though I was saying stop, I was Mm -hmm. laughing because I was being tickled, Mm -hmm. but it was this kind of being out of control of my own body thing. Mm -hmm. That as kids, I didn't, as a kid, I didn't know that that was something that I didn't want. I just couldn't express it that way. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we've shifted in our family is if my, if I'm tickling a kid and he says, stop, Mm -hmm. I take my hands off that kid. And I Mm -hmm. say, you're right. You have a right to decide what happens to your body. Mm -hmm. And I think even as human beings, we often do this to our kids is we don't give them the right to decide what happens to their body. Mm-hmm. And they go out in the world and do that to other bodies, mm-hmm. you know, especially yep. <laughs> bodies that are like, I do let me tell you right now, white people touch people's hair. Like I'll go see my friends. They're like, Oh, look at your hair. They will touch my hair. White people yeah. touch people's hair. Yeah. Well, we do that too. Yes. But when it's like a ooh, I don't let me pet you. That's yes, a whole different,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. it's
0: that it's like a it's 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 the consent for what happens to your body, but then taken a whole different level mm-hmm. as I don't necessarily see your opinion as valid, and you tell me to stop, but I'm gonna ignore you yeah. because of I don't perceive you as. I don't know, the same as me as a, as a human being on the same level, like whatever the
1: objectified.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I know it's, I experienced that as a woman out in the world and I know like to hear that it's, it's like that. And then additional, Mm -hmm. it's really the, the injustice of it just
1: kind of like, well and then to the people who start to, just disrespect our children like even when they're little one one of my kids is in preschool and he's like four or something and the teacher calls me and she's like I've been I call him and I tell him to do stuff and he doesn't listen to me and I'm like really because you know this is one of the things where parents say, I didn't have that problem and I'm like well give me an example and she's like I told him to line up today and he didn't come right away so I said boy come here boy come here <sighs> And I said, oh, well, there's the problem because w- his name's not Boy. And we, yeah. we call him by his name. We want him to do things. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's, he doesn't even like him. No, you're talking to him. Yeah. And, and she was just offended like, well, if I'm looking at him or if I'm looking. And I'm like, no, Mm-mm. not. I'm sorry.
0: See, mighty ADHD my ADHD children can't hear you unless you walk over there and touch their shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like you can say my name. If, I'm, if there's something shiny and loud happening, you can say my name 10 times and I won't hear Register. you. Mm-hmm. And for him, her to say, Oh, like how did, I mean, as a for her to say, boy.
1: And then I observed, you know, oh. I went and, visited and observed and I didn't see her doing that to other little children. Yeah. You know, and it's just it's frustrating and it's sickening because you always and that you know you have to train your children to be assertive and um, you know not just let people treat you any kind of way, or come home and report things, yeah, and then you have to go and you know deal with them as an adult. But there's, you know, just like you say, the regular stuff in life to deal with and then this on top. Yeah. It's just like, and, you know, when you don't hear things, it's like, is that a good thing or is it just a certain situation hasn't happened yet? Right. You know, and then when it happens, you have to deal with it. And I got to tell you, I look at, you know, I'm... I guess I sometimes think I was an anxious mom and then sometimes I think maybe I'm just a realistic mom. But when I spent time with my white friends and even now and watch how they like have such a long leash for their kids. Like when we were at the park and your kids were just running and going around the corner Uh and just free, like I'd have been totally freaked. I was freaking out with your kids, but I've been freaked out (laughs) even more with my kids. Because to get so far away, like if something happened, I don't know if all hell's not going to break loose. Right. Because they're my boys. Yeah. You know?
0: Whereas mine are like a good quarter mile down the road and we can see them, but barely.
1: Yeah. 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 But like, I don't know if somebody's going to snatch a kid or somebody's going to, you know, my kid picks up a stick and, you know, throws it and. Yeah. You know, like not even hit somebody, but just somebody decides that that little black boy should be throwing a stick. Yeah. You know, and confronts them. And I can't get there fast enough to intercede because you know, some people don't care. Yeah. About a child's age or whatever. They just have decided that just little black boys are bad. And so if they see them doing something, they're just going to go ballistic on
0: them. Yeah. Whereas I'm, as a mom, trying to push my kids to be more independent, to trust themselves, to go around the corner. And if something happens, you know, that I'm here and you can come back to me. Like, that's where, that's like my goal as a mom is like, go try things, fail, you know, but I don't have this additional thing where like, it's not just you. I mean, I mean, for my kids, it's not just it, if they were children of color, it wouldn't just be them trying and failing and maybe messing up and making mistakes and learning from it. It would be people's additional things being put on my kids.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's the thing that I, I can't walk in those shoes yet. Like yeah. I can listen and understand and, but I can't literally experience those things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I've experienced just a touch of that with my daughter because she's, you know, a little girl in the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I feel like I feel way more scared when she's out of my sight than I do the boys. Like, mm-hmm. cause I know the crazies that are out there that would hurt her. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
1: it's, can I ask you something? Yes. Cause I find this an observation. Um, when I'm with with people who have boys like you and some of my other friends, it seems like they are being empowered. And I I don't really see it as just for themselves. I feel like they, they are taking on the whole world. It's their world. And it's interesting to me that I see as a a teacher and as a parent I've seen my son is gifted he's so bright like intellectually Mm -hmm. but my girl is very creative Mm -hmm. and I just want am I seeing that right are they being groomed to take on the world to be you know like is there still a real gender thing that's going on in white culture or i don't feel like
0: i think there's a for me specifically i feel like cora we call her cora the conqueror because she's such a i'm gonna have to bleep this part she's such a badass she she knows no boundaries she knows no limits she's already decided she's going to be president she there's no subject she can't conquer there's no That's wonderful thing that she's like i can't do it well she she you know she gets frustrated when she's not perfect at it the first time <laughs> whatever but i see so i see her as like limitless whereas mm-hmm. my son especially my middle guy he is much more tender hearted and much Mm -hmm. more emotional. And so I feel like I'm always empowering him and then telling Cora, like you (laughs) got, you have to consider other people too because she's so empowered. Mm -hmm. Like she forgets that other people are in the world. Whereas Judah is so empathetic and sympathetic that he considers other people and does not consider himself. himself. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So we'll see about Peter. He's kind of in the middle of those things. But I don't know that I, I think growing up, there was a lot of external messages about what a woman should be coming at me, not necessarily from my parents, but like in the little Southern Texas town, small town that I grew up in. And so I don't feel like I've put those on Cora, but I definitely noticed that she, yeah, she's already so empowered. Like, whereas my little boys, so Judah was like, mom, why is every story in every book we read about a girl? Mm. He doesn't know that every story that I read and every book that I read was about a boy. Like the it's shifted over, and I've given them so much like girls as the heroine, girls as the like, and then Cora's like, yeah, and you're just like, why is everything about girls, mom? I'm like, so oh, are you shifting that. <laughs> yes, like I had to like actively seek out boy as the heroine yeah. for him. And because she's
1: your that. oldest one too, so yeah, when you started like, getting stuff,
0: we got stuff that was girl as you know, girl power or yeah. whatever. But you're, I think there is still a lot of that in, in our, in white culture. Like a girl is submissive, is a good cook, doesn't talk bad, like polite, (coughs) cross your ankles, like be seen as a lady, bless you, you know, all those things that like be seen as a lady, Mm -hmm. like don't raise your voice, don't get in a fuss, don't be ugly. Don't be ugly. That was something I heard a lot, which meant don't have a, don't raise your voice.
1: Don't be confrontational. Bless you.
0: Yeah. Don't be confrontational. Like, and I've had to catch myself saying, cause it's such a thing I grew up with. Don't be ugly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Don't act we ugly. Do that too. Don't, Watch don't, your fa- don't say ugly things. Mm-hmm. Fix your face. That was a lot Fix your face and close your, your mouth. <laughs> fix your face. Oh, I have to really who, so yeah, I feel like I, I talked all around your question. Um, and I think there are people who still sort of push that belief on girls. You know, there really are like, especially in the South, especially, you know, this is what a girl should be. Um, yeah. So you're right. Even when I was talking about how I'm two raising two white sons and I didn't talk about how I'm raising a white girl because I see them as having the potential to do so much more harm, but you're right. She has the potential, especially after what's her name. Oh yeah. I was like, Amy, Mm -hmm. Amy, Amy Cooper. She has, I sat and talked with Cora. Like you have the potential to do so much harm. Well, thank you so much. I I really, I'm such a chatterbox. I tried not to talk as much because I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I just really want to thank you for letting me just hear your voice about all this. And, oh, you're welcome. You know, I think it's so important to to hear other people's experience, lived experience and yeah. not just say, well, I haven't seen this to happen to me in the yeah. world. You know, you're not the be all and all Ariana. You know, I'm not. So I think we just want to thank you for being willing. So you are welcome. We should do this again sometime. Yeah. We should talk about the other really cool stuff that you are into, like Reiki and
1: yeah, we'll talk about yeah. that. And exploring churches in Nashville. Oh, that's, that's a that topic. I could tell you about my girlfriend, two girlfriends that girlfriend I, yeah.
0: Yeah, trying to find somewhere. Oof.
1: Yeah, it's the right fit. Yes. Oh, and man. COVID just really messed that
0: up. gummit! it did. You, you can't can do so
1: much it. online. It's not the same as being in the midst of the people. It's
0: not. <laughs> Yeah. I don't want to reduce our conversations to like, Hey, tell me about being a woman of color. Like, I think there you're, there's so much richness to who you are as a human being. I don't want to ever say, Hey, this is your, this is what I want from you. But I did want to hear your voice about, about this because you have experience that I don't have, you know? So I appreciate you. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for, go have an amazing Sunday.
0: I will. So that was kind of an abrupt end to that podcast, or that interview, but, um, Kim and I actually ended up talking for, like, another hour and a half after that, (laughs) where we said goodbye and then talked for another hour and a half. Um, there was a lot of, a lot of stuff to discuss, a lot of things to get through, but, uh. I just want to say thank you again so much to Kim for being willing to come on the, on the podcast. And, um, for those of you who are listening, I just want to reiterate if you would like for your story as a person of color, raising children of color to be heard. Um, I think there's some power in that and I would love to give you that platform. So uh find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Actually I'd never checked Twitter. Oh gosh, I hope you guys haven't been leaving me messages. Um, <laughs> Instagram and Facebook are the ones I check the most. Um, if you'll look for the podcast, I see you mama podcast, it'll pop up on both of those. And you can leave me a message. You can email me at the email address I said at the beginning, which is I see you mama podcast at gmail.com. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you and For all of you out there who are stuck at home and uh, still are quarantining pretty heavily. um, Yeah, I'm with you. Solidarity. We're all in it together. I know some people have decided to go back out into the world, but we're not quite there yet. Anyway, so until next week, or yeah, hopefully next week. I see you, Mama. Have a great day. Bye.